Donald Trump has just declared a national emergency and issued an executive order in an effort to protect the U.S. power grid from foreign adversaries. There's a fear that our national security and our economy could be compromised by someone targeting our electrical systems. Now, this might just be a standard preventative measure, but it's coming amid growing military tensions between the U.S. and China. For the longest time, people have said that we are entering a cold war with China. And due to something called Thucydides trap, people fear that as China rises in global power, eventually a war will break out between the U.S. and China. And it certainly seems like we're closer than ever. Recently in the South China Sea, China sent a strike group near Taiwan. The U.S. responded by sending warships. Now China is claiming they have expelled a U.S. naval warship, and the U.S. Navy says that's not true. But ever since a U.S. aircraft carrier had to evacuate most of its personnel due to the coronavirus, there's been a concern that the U.S. looks weak and China will take advantage. But it's not just about the military, and it's not just about the U.S. and China. There are many other countries involved. A new leaked intel report shows several countries believing China is covering up the extent of the coronavirus, allowing them to escape responsibility, but also resulting in massive damage to many other countries. I may be connecting dots that should not be connected. So I don't want to pretend like this is all part of one big growing military you know, escalation or Cold War or potential for World War III. But it does seem to me that these things are at least connected a little bit. For years, people have written that war is coming. And maybe it won't come. Maybe what we're seeing is just a little bit of Cold War saber rattling. But it does seem like this emergency declaration has to do with fears that we're entering a very real conflict. I mean, the U.S. is saying China's engaging in nuclear testing. China's denying it. And it's hard to know who to trust. We have also heard from Mike Pompeo, as well as many others, that the U.S. educational system has been infiltrated by China and that this runs very deep. In fact, the U.S. is worried about Chinese spies even working for U.S. news agencies. So let's take a look at exactly what's going on and why Donald Trump has declared a national emergency. And then I'll show you various stories. And I want to make sure I'm very clear. It doesn't necessarily mean just because I'm showing you these stories that it's painting a full picture of what's going on. But I do think these are things to be concerned about that may be connected, but maybe not. The first story about uh, from the Hill, Trump issues executive order to protect power grid from attack. Before we get started, go to timcast.com slash donate if you would like to support my work. There are several ways you can give, but the best thing you can do, just share this video, hit the like button, subscribe and hit the, hit the notification bell. Also, I'll let you know I have another channel for those that aren't familiar at youtube.com slash timcast news. I know that many people don't realize I have multiple channels, but uh, now let's just jump to the story. The Hill reports, President Trump on Friday issued an executive order declaring a national emergency over threats to the U.S. power system, taking steps to defend the grid against cyber attacks and foreign interference. The executive order bans the use of equipment for the power grid that was manufactured by a company under the control of a foreign adversary or the buying of any equipment that poses a national security threat. Quote, additional steps are required to protect the security, integrity, and reliability of bulk power system electric equipment used in the United States, Trump wrote. In light of these findings, I hereby declare a national emergency with respect to the threat to the United States bulk power systems. The order also established a task force to protect the power grid from attacks and share risk management information to prevent interference. Members of the task force will include the secretaries of commerce, defense, and homeland security, as well as the director of national intelligence. 
Trump noted in the order that the power system is a target for those seeking to commit malicious acts against the U.S., pointing to concerns around cyber cyber attacks in particular. A successful attack on our bulk power system would present significant risk to our economy, human health, and safety, and would render the United States less capable of acting in defense of itself and its allies, Trump wrote. Secretary of Energy Dan Brulette applauded the executive order saying in a statement that it would greatly diminish the ability of foreign adversaries to target our critical electrical infrastructure. Today, President Trump demonstrated bold leadership to protect America's bulk power systems and ensure the safety and prosperity of all Americans. It is imperative the bulk power system be secured against exploitation and attacks by foreign threats. The order establishes the Secretary of Energy as the official task with identifying equipment currently in use in the bulk power systems that poses a risk and working to take out and replace the equipment. The secretary is also in charge of creating a list of pre-qualified vendors that are deemed safe to work with. Now, this isn't necessarily about China. This could be about many other countries. And it seems that this is just a generally smart thing to do. But there have been very real fears that Chinese smartphone companies are spying on us. Many people are concerned that Xiaomi, a phone company, is ignoring your privacy requests on phones, as well as Huawei. It's been kind of a rumor, urban legend, or conspiracy theory that using Chinese-made goods results in them spying on you, that they've hidden secret antennas and other things inside of their products. Now, it may or may not be true, but because of these fears, we may be seeing actions taken by Donald Trump. But there are other very real reasons why Trump may be seeking to protect the electrical grid. I mean, it seems to be the first place you'd want to attack, take out our source of energy so we can't fight back. Makes sense, right? Well, recently, China has claimed it expelled the U.S. naval war, a U.S. naval warship from the South China Sea. Now, I do find it interesting that the New York Post has framed it as though China just did this. Well, let me tell you something. China is claiming they did this. We don't know for sure. In fact, the U.S. Navy is disputing this. But nonetheless, we had a Chinese strike group move near Taiwan. It's not the first time this has happened. It's not the first time the U.S. has sent military forces into the South China Sea. But as I stated a few weeks ago, China views the South China Sea as their territory. By us sending in warships, they're going to argue we're trespassing or provoking. And it's exactly what's happening. Let's read the story. The New York Post reports, China's military banished a, quote, provocative U.S. Navy destroyer from the South China Sea this week amid escalating tensions in the region, with the communist country also expected to squash more pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong. The Chinese People's Liberation Army said the Navy vessel had been expelled from the oil-rich stretch of water after entering Chinese waters and called on the U.S. to instead focus on its national epidemic situation, referring to the coronavirus crisis. Quote, the provocative actions of the United States seriously violated relevant international law norms, seriously violated China's sovereignty and security interests, artificially increased regional security risks, and were prone to cause unexpected incidents. Li Huaman, a spokesman for the People's Liberation Army Command that oversees the area, said in a statement, tensions have been high in the region over the past month with a dispute between Malaysia and China over oil drawing U.S. Uh, over, oil drawing U.S., Chinese and Australian warships. The waters have immense strategic value, carrying over three trillion dollars in trade every year and believed to hold immense gas and oil reserves with China, Malaysia, Brunei, Taiwan, Vietnam, and the Philippines making competing territorial claims in the region. Now, many people have said that China is a paper tiger, and they wouldn't actually go to war with us 
we have too much technological prowess. But what you need to understand about rising power is that China is consistently getting stronger. And though they may not have the power to go up against us right now, they are certainly trying to increase their power. How do you respond to that? I think that if China took action against us, we wouldn't do anything. We'd be very reticent to actually retaliate. Now, on top of all of this, the U.S. has accused China of conducting low-level nuclear test blasts, as if to make everything a whole lot worse. Now, China, of course, is dismissing this, saying it's essentially not true. China dismisses U.S. claim it conducted low-level low level nuclear tests. Beijing says it is committed to a moratorium on nuclear tests after U.S. claimed China may have conducted secret blasts. Now, there is a lot of context in this escalation and the potential for real international conflict that would be very difficult to get through literally everything. But I have done several segments on this. So make sure you check out the rest of my videos. We have seen Donald Trump order the U.S. Navy to sink Iranian gunboats if they swarm and harass our ships again. We have seen Russian uh, 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 planes, naval naval, uh, planes, jets, I should say, intercepting U.S. reconnaissance jets as well. So there is serious escalation amid various countries right now, notably Venezuela, Iran, China, Russia, the U.S., and NATO. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean there will be war, but there is a growing concern that because of the shutdown in our economies, because of COVID, people are getting worried. I mean, they're withholding food. Tensions are escalating in various ways. Borders are, are erecting between countries that shouldn't even have borders like in the Schengen zone. So if a country like France and Germany are going to put up a border between each other, if even in the US, New Mexico's Democratic governor shuts down entrance into a city, well, then we are going to see people showing up their defenses. And this could lead to a serious escalation. Now over at CNN, they say, despite Trump executive order, meat processing plants struggle to stay open. This is another executive order Donald Trump has taken in the interest of national security. These food processing plants are being shut down due to governmental orders and the COVID-19 epidemic, but it's showing another weakness the U.S. has. And as I just mentioned, many countries are now withholding exports of grains and other foods. In the U.S., we're facing a very serious food shortage. Now, this is kind of an aside. It's not necessarily having to do with military escalation, but I show this to bring up the point of desperation. When a country becomes desperate, doesn't have food, well, they might actually lash out. I don't think it will be the U.S. considering we're extremely wealthy, but even we are in trouble due to the economic shutdown. And perhaps it's a good reason why we should reopen things. But outside of direct military conflict, there is counterintelligence efforts and soft war and cold war. Fox News reports leaked Western Intel dossier reveals how China deceived the world about coronavirus. Most of us know exactly what's going to be in this dossier that China was withholding this, that they knew about human-human transmission. The World Health Organization gave us misinformation. That's all here. And it's not just the United States anymore. So perhaps many people who are angry with the president can back off a bit, because now we have many other countries joining in to say something similar. Fox says, a research dossier compiled by the so-called Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance states that China intentionally hid or destroyed evidence of the coronavirus outbreak leading to the loss of tens of thousands of lives around the world. The 15-page document from the intelligence agencies of the US, Canada, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand was obtained by Australia's Saturday Telegraph newspaper and states that China's secrecy amounted to an assault 
on international transparency. The dossier touches on themes that have been discussed in media reports about the outbreak of the virus, including an initial denial by China that the virus could be transmitted between humans, the silencing or disappearing of doctors who tried to speak up, the destruction of evidence in laboratories, and refusal to provide live samples to international scientists working on a vaccine. Specifically, the file notes that China began censoring news of the virus on search engines and social media beginning December 31st, deleting terms including SARS variation, Wuhan seafood market, and Wuhan unknown pneumonia. Three days later, on January 3rd, China's National Health Commission ordered virus samples to be either moved to designated testing facilities or destroyed while simultaneously issuing a no publication order related to the disease. The Saturday Telegraph report includes a timeline of Chinese obfuscation. They mentioned perhaps most damningly, the dossier states that Chinese authorities denied that the virus could be spread between humans until January 20th, despite evidence of human human transmission from early December. The file is similarly unsparing about the World Health Organization, stating that it towed the Chinese line about human-human transmission, despite the fact that officials in Taiwan raised concerns as early as December 31st, as did experts in Hong Kong on January 4th. Why didn't the World Health Organization tell us? Now, let me stop. We'll play a little bit of domestic politics here. Many people who hate Donald Trump have argued that he has been bad. His response has been bad. But now we can see U.S. allies, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the U.K. They're saying the same thing about the World Health Organization and about China. I have to wonder then if there are spies in Chinese media, why we're seeing such pro-China media coming out about this. Perhaps there are people who want to avoid an all-out war. That I understand. But what do you do when China is withholding information Not only that, when there's Chinese trolls online spreading disinformation, harming the response of our allies, countries like Spain or Italy or places like Taiwan, we could argue country or not, but Taiwan was a victim of this same as Spain and Italy. At a certain point, if they're saying this was intentional, I mean, China knew they would be killing our people and they did it on purpose. Combine that with the recent military escalations we've seen between them and other countries, as well as the fear due to the coronavirus pandemic. And I think we're sitting on a powder keg and hopefully, hopefully things don't get worse than they are now. But when I saw the report that Donald Trump had issued this this executive order, the only thing I could think was that Trump is concerned. That's the first place they'll strike. I've spoken with national security experts over the past several years, and there is a real fear that our electrical grid can be taken out. We also have the very famous Rachel Maddow conspiracy theory that during the height of the Russia gate nonsense, that Russia would take out the electrical electrical grid in Fargo in the winter. Oh no, very conspiratorial. But let's let's be real, possible, just extremely fear mongery and unlikely. Well, as tensions escalate because of the coronavirus, that fears become more warranted. I must admit. And I've ragged on Rachel Maddow for this for a long time. At the time, there was no real reason to believe Russia would arbitrarily just shut off the power in Fargo. But now we're dealing with fear and desperation. Now we're seeing real military escalations. And Russia, while we're not necessarily the same Cold War enemies we used to be, we're certainly adversarial. And we saw that Russian jet intercept the U.S. reconnaissance jet. So who knows what might happen? Now, one of the more interesting things to come out of this, this dossier and, and recent rumors in the media, John Roberts of Fox News says, sources say not all 17 intelligence agencies agree that the lab was the source of the virus because there is not yet a definitive smoking gun. 
but confidence is high among 70 to 70 for 75% of the agencies. Don't let someone in the media deceive you. We are getting numerous reports that the US intelligence agencies are investigating the Wuhan laboratory as the origin of the virus. And they believe that to be the place. In fact, Donald Trump has said as much. I think this is the Yes, here we have it. New York Post. Trump claims he has seen evidence leaking coronavirus to Wuhan lab. Think about where we were last month. You weren't even allowed to talk about this. You were ridiculed as a conspiracy theorist. Tom Cotton, a Republican, came out very early saying we should consider the possibility it leaked from a lab. And they mocked him in the media. Now we have the U.S. intelligence agencies, potentially the Five Five Eyes spy club, and Donald Trump saying there's at least some evidence. Now, of course, the media is trying to spin this to make it seem like Trump, Trump is either saying it definitively or that he's pushing conspiracy theories. Let's all calm down a little bit. Trump says he has seen the evidence. Confidence is high in many intelligence agencies, but we don't have definitive proof yet. It just seems to be the simple solution. And now we're seeing even this interesting story. Uh, Chinese lab conducted extensive research on deadly bat viruses, but there is no evidence of an accidental release. The Washington Post entertained the possibility only a few weeks ago, but has typically been against the president. I find it rather interesting that they've now come to the point where they're like, well, the labs were doing this, but there's a lot of other news here. Uh, Forbes writing that the Wuhan lab as coronavirus source is gaining traction. This from just the other day. Now, outside of all of this, I, I think it's important to point out just because it may have leaked from a lab doesn't mean it's an act of war it's or inten- an act of war or it's intentional. But it is important to point out that China may be responsible for this and thus explains why they would be covering it up. They don't want to take responsibility. Trump is talking about, you know, some kind of punishment or retribution. This from CNN. Trump administration draws up plans to punish China over coronavirus outbreak. We now know that they are trying to obfuscate what happened and cover it up. It may actually be worse than that. They may have been neglectful and it may have breached one of their labs. But regardless, we know that they were withholding information. This seems to be the accepted mainstream point as of right now. Well, we don't know entirely for sure. It does stand to reason China takes a lot of the responsibility for how bad this has gotten. As I've stated before, We can look at many of the Democratic mayors, governors, and Donald Trump and accuse everybody of doing the right or wrong thing in the coronavirus pandemic in the US. But even if we accuse Trump of being too lax early on, of Cuomo, uh, you know, of not putting the lockdown in place or Bill de Blasio, the fact remains China deserves 95 to 99% of the blame because they were withholding samples. They were lying. They were arresting people and trying to cover this up, resulting in a delayed response from everybody else. So not necessarily an act of war, but still some responsibility. Well, Mike Pompeo emerges as point man in war of words with China. His critics say he's too busy attacking China to coordinate a global response to the pandemic. His supporters say he's holding Beijing to account. Not that long ago, back in February, Mike Pompeo warned of Chinese infiltration in American schools. There are many stories that are starting to emerge that paint a picture of a cold war between the U.S. and China. We may now be seeing military escalation, which could lead to a hot war. I don't know when. I don't know the the, the likelihood, maybe no likelihood at all. As I stated before, it could just be connecting dots that shouldn't be connected. And it could just be that because we're all locked in our houses and kind of bored, we are focused on what may actually be normal. For all we know, these stories happen all the time. We just don't really care about them. But it definitely does seem like things are getting worse, especially with the recent statements from Mike Pompeo, as well as several arrests by the FBI 
of US academics who were lying about working with China or in on the take, taking money from China when they weren't supposed to, or again, lying about it. The South China Morning Post says the China-US Cold War heats up with coronavirus conspiracy and cover-up charges. Yanden Latu breaks down Beijing's latest broadside at Washington in the context of growing hostility between the world's biggest economic and military powers. This is just from today. I don't know if there'll be war. I don't know if it'll be World War III. I've entertained the possibility. Some people have gotten really mad at me for doing so. Others have said I bring up really good points. The fact remains, I don't know, and neither do you. I will say I have never seen this. Uh, I've never seen things in my lifetime this bad. I mean, maybe it's not, not true because I was alive during the Cold War, but I was like a tiny child who didn't really know much of what was going on watching the TV and not really understanding it. But now we've got cities being locked down, borders popping up between states. The Schengen zone is in serious trouble. The European Union seems to be in trouble. China is becoming desperate and everyone's economies are taking a hit. People are hoarding food and there have been real skirmishes or I shouldn't say skirmish, but real escalation between military powers in various regions, notably Western and Eastern powers. The Cold War is heating up. Does that mean we'll go into a hot war? I honestly don't know. I don't know if we'll end up seeing full scale uh, war or not. But Trump Mike Pompeo, the administration, are certainly pointing the finger at China, as are these many other countries like Australia, New Zealand, the UK, etc. I don't know what a modern war would look like. Most people don't. It could be U.S. warships fighting each other. I don't. I can't imagine there would be an, be an actual ground war. It could be drones, or everything could just fizzle away. And this could be another video that people look back on and say was sensationalist and was wrong. But let me remind you all in the future watching back that hindsight is twenty twenty. All I see right now is a consistent escalation of tensions. The USS Theodore Roosevelt was infected with COVID. Many people said that by this, uh, uh, the captain of the vessel coming out and saying that, you know, that they needed help, it made us look weak and it was the wrong thing to do. And sure enough, then we saw China do their strike group passage through the South China Sea. Then the US elephant walk occurred in Guam. Then the U.S. pulled its air forces out of Guam over fears China could take them all out in one go. So the U.S. then sends in some warships. It could just be business as usual, international relations and saber rattling. Maybe that's it. Maybe I should leave it there. But keep in mind, you know, Donald Trump did just declare a national emergency, and it could really just be because we are woefully underprepared for conflict as it is. You know, Trump said he wanted to build a wall. We didn't have a good border. We didn't have good border security in the southern border either. It didn't mean we we're looking at serious war with anybody on the southern border. What Trump is doing may just be another defensive measure, and it could be nothing. And the reason why I'm stressing that point is I know a lot of people are going to get mad and say nothing's going to happen. Everyone calm down. Possibly. I don't know. I just saw a bunch of stories once again that make me concerned something may happen in the future. So keep that in mind. I'll leave it there. Stick around. The next segment is coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Joe Biden is now being credibly accused by another woman. This woman, Eva Murray, says that when she was 14 years old, Joe Biden gave her this creepy, you know, gaze up, up and down at her body and then complimented the well-endowed size of her chest. I'll paraphrase it that way. Apparently she was with her, with her family or something at some political event. Now, this fits a pattern of behavior for Joe Biden. He does these creepy things to young girls and young women, and it's creepy. He's been called out for it. He's had to apologize for it. 
So when I hear a story like this, I say, yep, sounds like creepy Joe Biden. Now, Eva says it's not just about what he said. It's also about how he said it and like what he was doing. And we all get it. Joe Biden is a creepy, creepy old man. So he's currently facing these allegations from Tara Reid. Those are 30, uh, 27 years old. And these allegations now, or this accusation, which I honestly believe, 12 years old. Again, you know me, not a big fan of these really old accusations. But what we expect to see when these stories come out, a double standard in the media. Them claiming that, oh, you know, it's just Joe being Joe. And that's what they tried doing in the first place. When all of these videos started coming out, I mean, it was actually John Stewart of The Daily Show who ran a segment called The Audacity of Grope, pointing out how creepy this man is. He's got a problem with touching little girls. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not trying to be funny. This is messed up stuff. I try not to swear. But this dude on camera repeatedly stroking and touching little girls inappropriately. It's, it's disgusting what this man does. Now, listen, I understand the argument they made. Ah, he's just old man. You know, he's being endearing to the young kids. Yeah, maybe once or twice you want to kiss a baby and shake some hands. I get it. But not what this guy is doing. It's it's watch these videos, man. Joe Biden.info. Watch this stuff. This dude is something wrong with him to hear this story about a 14 year old girl and, and to hear what he was saying. It fits the pattern of behavior and it's gross. Now, here's what I don't get with all of Trump supporters basically in agreement. This dude's a creepo. And the Biden supporters, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the Bernie supporters who also think Joe Biden is a creepo, you'd think this would be an issue to which the left and the right could agree and come together. But there are still some higher profile progressives that won't accept it. And it makes me question what they're really about. Because when you look at some of the more, I'm not going to name anybody, but there are certain individuals that are more honest and act in good faith that are progressive and absolutely will say, yep, yep. Trump's poor is right to call this one out. Now, here's what's, here's what's really funny about the Joe Biden accusations. First, the double standard seems to be falling apart. The New York Times has now called on the DNC to investigate Tara Reid's allegations. You see, the New York Times tried to defend this man. They really did. They did this really awful puff piece where they were like, you know, this woman filed a, f- a police report, filing a false police report can have you sent to jail or something like that. Like, what, 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 what was the context for that? But later on in the story, they're like, also, don't forget, Donald Trump was accused too. And it's like, so what? The story is about Joe Biden. But the dam has broken. And I think the reason is, it is to an extent something most people can agree on, but it's also impossible to ignore. The regular people can see your double standards. And the New York Times probably got slammed by this. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the Times readers actually started sending emails like, yo, what is this? You went nuts on Kavanaugh. So now the New York Times is calling on the DNC to investigate Tara Reid's allegations. And we'll come back to this. But the one thing I really want to point out in this segment is the hypocrisy of the left. Not the entirety of the left, not every single leftist, not every progressive. And of course, there's hypocrisy on the right. No, I'm specifically pointing out high profile progressives who have an opportunity right now to say, hey, we disagree on policy, but how about we address Joe Biden? And there are two really, really funny funny articles. The first one, you know her, you love her, Jennifer Rubin, who claims she's conservative, but seriously, this lady is is deluded. Now look, the funny thing about Jennifer Rubin, if you're not familiar, she's like a never Trumper, former conservative. She claims she's conservative, but she just writes like she celebrates for left-wing like policy stuff. It's, It's the weirdest stuff. But the funny thing is somebody was talking about her 
saying like she says she's conservative, but she just cheers for everything anti-Trump and pro-left. And then someone commented like kind of like Tim Pool. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Hold on. Yes, sort of. But dude, this lady is off her rocker. Like I have no problem pointing out when Trump or, or Republicans or whatever are, are doing bad or just something disagreeable. And I've been moderately critical of Trump's response to uh, the coronavirus. Not nearly as crazy as, uh, as the media and the left have been on Trump. And admittedly, I think he's done a, a moderately decent job. I'm just critical because you can be critical of anybody. But what she does is absolutely hilarious. Like Joe Biden goes on TV, flounders, struggles, falls apart. And what does she write? What a truly amazing performance by Joe Biden, doing exactly what an innocent man would do, challenging these accusations, standing up to them. And it's like, whoa, whoa, what, what, what honest person is going to claim Joe Biden did a good job on MSNBC? Well, let me read for you what she wrote for the Washington Post. So you'll get, the, you'll, you'll, you'll get the picture. No, the media isn't fair. Oh, oh, thank, thank you. Thank you, Jennifer Urban, for being honest. Oh, what's the, there's more. It gives Republicans a pass. And there it is. I'm sorry, what lady? You think the media is giving Republicans a pass? That you have lost your mind. Brett Kavanaugh, they basically, it was the media equivalent of lighting a man on fire. The, the amount of stories that were pouring out, the amount of opinion pieces saying, oh, Joe Biden pigs all the way down. I think the New York Times had an op-ed. And what happens with, with, with Joe Biden? 19 days after progressives broke the story, mind you. New York Times finally says, okay, okay, we'll talk about it, but it doesn't seem credible. Like, even though we have corroborating evidence, you know, the New York Times in their story actually found corroborating evidence. Two staffers who said Tara Reid was abruptly reassigned. That kind of corroborates the thing she was saying, that when she complained about what Joe Biden did, they took her position away. Well, the New York Times didn't want to didn't frame it that way. So they actually came to his defense. What did the Washington Post write? Here's what I absolutely love about the whole Joe Biden saga. They wrote something like Trump allies are pushing these stories or whatever. So stupid. You know why? It was Bernie supporting progressives that broke this story. Left wing media, progressive media broke the story on this woman and the accusations against Biden. Yet somehow this whole thing became about right wing media. If you turn on MSNBC, the only thing they know how to say is the right is being disingenuous on this one. The right mostly doesn't care. I mean, they do. But it's really funny when you see the like the go to narrative from these fake individuals. Let's break it down for you. Jennifer Rubin, fake conservative, writing that here. here, Let let me read what what she writes. And then I want to show you some of the progressive response from the Young Turks. The right wing media willfully ignoring the press investigations into Tara Reid's accusations, insist that former Vice President Joe Biden, the presumptive Democratic nominee, has not been treated similarly to accused conservative men like Trump and Brett Kavanaugh. They have a point, but not the one they're trying to make. Let's start with the big picture. Right wing groups persistently engage in conduct for which Republicans are not held to account. The latter are allowed to remain silent after instances of conduct with a strong stench of white nationalism. Oh, I love it but pay no penalty for their quietude. Right-wing demonstrators at Michigan Statehouse this week, angrily shouting, not social distancing, misogynistic in their message, some carrying Confederate garb, were not engaged in peaceful protest. They were. This was a mob endangering the health of police officers and others seeking to intimidate small d democratic government. Some protesters compared Michigan Governor Gretchen uh, Whitmer to Adolf Hitler 
and displayed Nazi symbols. And what does that have to do with anything? These people have been routinely dragged in the media and especially on social media. They claim that armed thugs are trying to intimidate the government like you're doing right now. No, they're not getting a free pass. They're just people doing their thing. And you can keep your opinions to yourself. If you want to report on the news, you can say armed protesters uh, uh, you know, stormed or entered. I mean, there's, there's difficulty in framing for sure. Do they storm the Capitol building? I try to avoid depending on it, but you know what? No, nah, I'd go with it. I, I want to be careful because I don't know too much about you know, how these protest, protests have, have carried on. But let's just be honest. No, the media isn't giving a, a, a pass to Republicans. When Antifa went around bashing skulls, what do we get from, from the press, from digital news outlets, from venture capital funded media? It was all, it was all praise. You, they, 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 what, what did CNN write? Antifa seeks to use violence to obtain peace or, or, or seeks peace through violence or some ridiculously stupid headline. You have to be willfully blind to think that the media gives Republicans a pass for several reasons. Notably, most of these companies are based in big blue urban cities. So the people who work at these companies are left-leaning, even Fox News. I'm not exaggerating. I, I, I mean this. New York City, where Fox News does a lot, a bunch of, I think most of their shows, Tucker's in DC, I think. I've been to the Fox HQ, I don't know, dozen plus times, been on several shows. And I can assure you that a good portion of the people who work there are New York liberals. You might not believe it. But I also remember this thing, this funny thing that happened in um, Occupy Wall Street, where I think Geraldo showed up and the sound guy was being berated by the protesters. And he was like, it's just a job. I don't know. And they're like, then quit. And he's like, bah, and he was like freaking out. It was funny. But yeah, it's New York. So what do you think? You think a bunch of conservatives flock to New York City? No, these media companies are based in blue areas. Their reporters overwhelmingly donated to Hillary Clinton. Don't pretend like, we, like, you know what, man, this is the point I was trying to make about what she is. I often uh, point out how I look at my, you know, the content I make, very critical of the media and the Democrats, and I wonder who's really the crazy one. Because you have to self-reflect, right? I get accused of, of, of bias and of being a grifter and all that stuff. And so I look at my stuff and I'm like, let's see, is it fair the way I'm talking about this and the way I'm framing this? And I do think it's fair to say that I'm very focused on like what Democrats are doing. I, there's certainly room for criticizing Republicans, but I don't view them as uh, uh, culturally powerful in that regard. You know, I'm not super interested in nitty gritty political bickering. You know, is Mitch McConnell versus Chuck Schumer, blah, blah, blah. A little bit. I, I, I'm concerned about that a little bit. What I'm mostly concerned about is how our culture, cultural forces, people like Jennifer Rubin, manipulate to gain power for their political faction. And thus, I'm going to be more concerned with Democrats. But here's what I see. I, I try to be as honest as possible. I have stupid YouTube headlines. I know I make you know, stupid YouTube thumbnails. That's just the way YouTube works. You can, you can be mad about it, but they're, they're really, it really is a rock and a hard place. So I tried my best to be like, here's what I see as being the big problem. Here's what I think should be pointed out. When you look at people like Jennifer Rubin, you can clearly see they will write whatever they have to write if it makes them money and generates notoriety. And therein lies the big problem. I know they'll say the same thing about me. And that's why I self-reflect. But let's be honest. Someone is going to write that Republicans are getting a free pass from the press. They're obviously lying. I think any reasonable person, reasonable person can look at the press and see that it's lopsided. When you look at what happened with Joe Biden, what do we end up seeing? You end up with progressives and Trump supporters in agreement. The media was protecting Joe Biden. There's no denying this. 
How long did it take for this credible accusation with corroborating witnesses to get any traction? And now it's a snowball rolling down a hill. You come out with an accusation against Brett Kavanaugh and boom, it was like a powder keg exploded right away. All of a sudden, there were protests. People were banging on the doors of the Supreme Court screaming, let me in. Yeah, that's what happens when a Republican or right-leaning person gets, gets uh, accused. Joe Biden, this dude's been on camera groping and doing creepy things. And where were the protests? Nowhere to be found. And even though, even though the progressives understand Joe Biden's a creep, and even though the Trump supporters understand he's a creep, what do we still get from even some high profile progressives? This one, I absolutely love. Anna Kasparian of the Young Turks. You know what, man? I don't trust the Young Turks. I don't know what their deal is, what they're trying to accomplish. But I think with the Young Turks, you see tribalist media. Instead of saying something like, you know, I'm going to give a little to these progressives right now and, and respect that we have common ground in calling out Joe Biden, they blame Trump, sort of. Look at this. This is from Novara Media on Twitter. If the Democratic Party wants to win, they need to stop using Trumpian tactics in discrediting Tara Reid, Anna Kasparian on last night's T.Y. Sky Sour. I don't know what this is. But you know what I see here? It's like the laundering of progressivism for the Democratic establishment. That's what, that's what I feel the Young Turks do. Because you look to who broke the story on, on Joe Biden. It was, I believe it was Katie Halper. And this was a podcast, and I believe it's progressive. The Intercept, another outlet that really you know, has been pushing this and talking about it. And then eventually it starts trickling up to the mainstream media. When you get progressive saying, here's our story, here's us calling out Biden. Why is it then that the Young Turks step up and say, <laughs> but it's about Trump. It's about Trump. Now, it may not be intentional. Maybe they're just like, hey, here's a, here's a, here's a tactic that's going to get us clicks. Point the finger at Trump. Use the word Trump. It's Trumpian. Make everyone mad at the Democratic Party because they're mad at Trump or something or like trying to conflate the two. You have a lot of progressives calling Joe Biden's base blue MAGA. OK, well, I can understand this. Check it out. Donald Trump has been accused by many women and Trump supporters ain't playing that game. And Joe Biden is now being accused by, well, he's been accused by like eight, I believe eight women who have said he's done like creepy things like sniffing them and, and groping them and things like that. So the, the, the charges against Trump are, are much more severe. The problem is when you look at what happened with Brett Kavanaugh, it was clearly fake. Yet what happened? progressives aligned, not all of them, with the Democratic establishment to go after Joe Biden, being led by duplicitous actors like Alyssa Milano. Now, all of a sudden that Joe Biden is being accused, Trump supporters are saying, hey, it's your standard, right? This is where the rules you wanted, right? And many still, this is hilarious, many still are saying, and I love this part, that they don't like 30-year-old accusations and they don't believe it. I'll tell you what, man, go on Twitter and you will see some high profile Trump supporters saying, I do not believe her accusations. They're really old. They're hard to prove because they're being consistent. Yet, what do we still get from people like the Young Turks? Nah, the, the Young Turks is establishment as far as I'm concerned. They're, they are the establishment masquerading as progressives. And look, Cenk Uger worked for MSNBC for a while. He had his show. Uh, well, I'm not going to get into the full, you know, all, all that stuff, but, you know, he ended up leaving, starting, you know, launching his independent thing. Or actually, I think he had this first, ended MSNBC, then came back. And I think he complained about MSNBC holding him back. 
But when I watch the Young Turks, I just see them as a way to get progressives to believe mainstream ideas. I'll tell you what, you don't got to like Trump at all. But right now, you should be criticizing the Democratic establishment and the media for lying about you. You see, the other thing I can't, I can't seem to wrap my head around is that Trump and his, and his supporters have routinely ragged on the fake news, as have I, of course. I think, I think one, of the way, one of the things that influences you, your view on what's happening in the world is whether or not you trust the media. And I, for the most part, don't. I try to vet most of my sources and do my best, but I should, I should actually take that back. I should say, for the most part, I do trust the media. I use a third-party certification service, but I have to fact-check everything. So when I see a claim, I'm very careful. I, I walk carefully over these stories because I'll tell you what, man, wait, wait, wait a day after a story comes out. They'll be like, Donald Trump threatened to press the nuke button. It's like, mm, I'm going to wait one day. And then they retract it. So when, when Trump and his supporters are calling out the fake news, you'd think that you could have the Young Turks being like Trump was right about the fake news. No, they still go at, they still attack Trump. It's like, I think the Young Turks has an overlap between establishment, blue MAGA types, whatever you want to call it, and progressives. So they walk a fine line, pretending to be progressive while making sure they don't offend the delicate sensibilities of Biden's base. So they're going to call out Joe Biden. They have no choice. Even the New York Times is now on board, having no choice but to call them out. But the Young Turks have to feign being progressive. It's a very difficult position to be in. Here's what I think. I think right now there's a tremendous opportunity for Trump supporters and uh, or no, 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 I'm sorry. There's a tremendous opportunity for Bernie supporters. Look, you might not agree with Trump. You might think Trump is a lecherous old, you know, old man. You might think Trump did all these things that are really nasty. But you got a big group of people saying you don't like Biden. We'll push your story. We'll, we'll, we'll embrace this. And that's going to empower you to go after the Democratic establishment. I'm not a big fan of the idea of the enemy of, of my enemy is my friend, but I'm also not a, uh, I'm not a big fan of not trying to find common ground either. If you want to go after Joe Biden because you think the establishment cheated, because you think he's, he's not qualified, because there's a lot wrong with his campaigns, all you got to do is hold him to the same standard that you held Brett Kavanaugh. And then if Trump supporters step up and say, we don't agree with this tactic, but if you want these standards applied to the Democratic Party, same as you wanted it applied to, the De- to, to Kavanaugh, fine, we'll sit back and say, OK, then just take the win. That's what I don't get by, by calling it a Trumpian tactic. Oh, come on, dude. It's not Trumpian. It's that they don't agree with your no due process standard. But this is them passing. This is, the, you know, her shuffling it off, trying to make it seem like, you know, it's, it's the Democratic Party is just trying to be Trump. Fine. Whatever, man. Y'all had an opportunity. There's a lot of overlap between Trump and the Bernie and the Bernie base. There really is. As much as people might not want to admit it, Trump has even said as much that Bernie was a, was a trade guy. And that was one of his biggest concerns. But it's about populism. Donald Trump, you know, plays to the populist base of the right and Bernie Sanders to the populist base of the left. You don't agree. That's always been the case. But you're up against a crony establishment, a press industry that defends the Democratic establishment. You'd think you'd take whatever help you can get. I get it. It's just the Young Turks. It's not everybody. But let me leave you with one final comic, uh, one, one image. You know, I think there's going to be a lot more that comes out about Joe Biden. Some people have said he was vetted back in 2008 when he was you know, running for president and then became vice president. And none of these stories came up, so we don't trust them. And that's a really fair point. Same is true for Brett Kavanaugh. We are in a disgusting new era of fake news and smears. But I'll tell you something. People are going to start digging into Joe Biden's closets 
uh, a closet. And they're going to find, uh, <laughs> they're going to find a lot of skeletons. I love this comic. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's uh, uh, some investigators or something saying, let's look in this closet. And behind the door, you can see hundreds of skeletons. All right, Joe, we'll see how things pan out for you. But the Democratic Party is now going to get a taste of its own medicine. And it's their own fault. I mean, they, they embraced this whole Me Too progressive stuff. So that's the other thing about progressives. It's like, dude, the Democrats have been deceiving you, tricking you into supporting their BS. And now they're refusing to uphold your principles. Stop blaming Trump. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Thousands of anti-shutdown protesters descended on a California town demanding Governor Gavin Newsom open things back up. Between 2,500 and 3,000 anti-lockdown protesters assembled on the boardwalk at Huntington Beach Friday. And Huntington Beach, as far as I can tell right now, is a Republican plus four district. Not surprising. We're seeing a very, very weird, strange tribal view of what's going on with the COVID-19 pandemic. Some of the worst hit locations in the country, democratically controlled cities, and some of the safest and less you know, infected areas, Republican controlled areas. So it's no surprise, I guess, in that regard that you're seeing Republicans demand things be reopened and Democrats demand things remain closed. But there is a very naive view of how the economy works. And it's many young people saying really stupid things on social media, like why doesn't the government just print more money? But it's not just about these dense urban populations. We have this protest, which I want to show you first. There's actually a lot going on. Just the other day, we heard that the governor of New Mexico, a Democrat, has shut down all roads leading to the town of Gallup due to a coronavirus outbreak. Recently, I just I actually just got back the other day driving across the country from the East Coast to the West Coast and back around 2,700 miles each direction. And in New Mexico, it was probably the craziest I had seen. There was already one town that had shut down completely to visitors. Now it looks like between certain hours, Gallup will be shut down as well. It's not a very, very, it's, it's a very small town, actually. Not very big at all. It's not a big urban city. So we can see that there really is something tribal and partisan about how this lockdown is being handled. California, being a blue state, we can see a Republican district, an area, is protesting. The weirdest thing of all of this is how the media has, has approached it. In South Dakota, the governor refused to lock things down. And all of a sudden, the media started popping up with these, South Dakota is the new hotspot, despite all of these new cases. South Dakota, oh man, what are they doing? And then nothing happened. I mean, look, some meat factories in South Dakota had shut down, but it really seems like the media was calling out South Dakota on purpose for not locking things down, even though South Dakota is not an outlier at all when tracking coronavirus numbers. So in the end, we can see something that's very obvious to most of us, the media is biased, but a very, very strange approach to how to deal with this thing. Now, look, South Dakota didn't lock down and everything has turned out fine so far. I mean, for the most part, many other states have it much worse. Like Utah has it worse than South Dakota. I'll pull up the numbers. So I want, I want to take a look at what's going on because look, initially I saw this story about the protests and I thought it was really interesting to see, to see thousands of people coming out being like, we're not going to remain locked down. And then to see the Democrats take this approach where in New York City, they're actually like hunting people down, chasing after funeral vehicles and arresting people, targeting the Jewish community. 
In this story we have from the Daily Mail, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio orders a thousand cops to find people who gather to enjoy the weekend's warm weather. What? It's the weirdest thing. Now, I, I get it. New York City is the epicenter for basically the world right now. And it's partly their fault for encouraging people to go out when we already saw the warning signs. And I think it's fair to say we all, you know, no one really knew what to expect. So I'll, I'll give them that, that much. And New York is ridiculously dense population wise. So I'll tell you what, in some areas, I think it makes sense to have these kinds of lockdowns. But I think Bill de Blasio is, he's ignoring what he wants, doing what he wants. He went out and enjoyed the warm weather the other day. Why would he then order people to be fine? You see, it's rules for thee, but not for me. But let's take a look at what's going on this protest first. There's a lot to get through, so maybe I could do my best and get through as much as I can. The Daily Mail says, thousands of anti-lockdown protesters stood off with Mounted Police Friday as, the assemb- as they assembled on the boardwalk at Huntington Beach, angered by California Governor Gavin Newsom's order to close the beaches and called for an end to the coronavirus shutdown. Governor Newsom acted to close state and local beaches in Orange County to residents from Friday morning after disturbing images showed thousands flocking to the sands last weekend, ignoring the state's stay-at-home order because people don't care anymore. This is the craziest thing to me. Like, at what point do the Democrats realize what they're doing is unpopular? Look, I get it. The polls show most people think we should remain closed. Well, how do you respond to all of these people saying they don't care and going out and going to the beach? Well, they respond with an authoritarian lockdown and in turn, you get mass protest. The rally was one of many held in at least 10 states across the U.S. on Friday in anger over the extended lockdowns. Thousands in cities including New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Raleigh, Columbus gathered at city halls and state houses to demand freedom after weeks of being forced to stay home. Yet the media would tell you it was only right wingers and gun toting extremists storming the Capitol in Michigan. No, I assure you that the surfer dudes are not staunch Republicans. They're wearing board shorts and like silly little sun hats or fishing hats. Yeah, they're regular people who live in these areas. They tend to be lefty. Now, you got to understand a California Republican is different from like an Alabama Republican. That, I mean, a New Jersey Republican is fairly moderate. If you look at, you know, I mean, look at Jeff Van Drew switched. He actually ran as a Democrat before. When you have places in California protesting you, New York City and LA, it's not just right wingers. That's, of course, what they want to show you because it's the Democratic governors who are enforcing these authoritarian lockdowns. And maybe there's some, maybe it's just tribal. Maybe it's them saying, well, if you know, if the the Democrats want it, I want to get reelected. So I'm going to do this. It could also be exploitation. Some people are concerned that the Democratic governors and other Democrats are trying to maintain a shutdown and the fear so they can push forward with mail-in voting, which would be pretty bad for Republicans. Let's read more. The closure announcement triggered criticism at Huntington Beach in particular, as between 2,500 and 3,000 people gathered a block from the beach Friday to voice their anger. Sheriff Don Barnes of Orange County said his department would not actively seek to arrest people on beaches, according to the LA Times, as protesters were seen being pushed back by a line of police on horses. Many who have been stuck inside for weeks criticized Newsom for policing the population and mocked him for trying to be an all-powerful leader as police on horseback horseback kept this, uh, the crowds in line. The crowds ignored social distancing guidelines and failed to wear masks. Most were seen carrying American flags as they led raucous chants in a much larger protest than the one gathered in the same area two weeks before. Here we can see a bunch of photos. And yes, many of them do seem to be Trump supporters and conservatives for sure. 
But I think it's fair to point out if you've seen the videos, there are people who on the beaches getting like, fight, you know, arguing with cops and stuff. And it don't look like conservatives. I mean, look, conservatives can surf too, but I mean, just, just they don't. I'm, I'm willing to bet this, you got a mixed bunch here. Probably leans right for a lot of obvious reasons, tribal reasons, but I'm willing to bet you got a mixed bunch. People saying open churches, we the people, etc. It's my right to work. Facts, not fear. Gadsden flags open our beaches. Surfing is not a crime. Newsom is a kook. This is this is amazing. So we have a video here too. So look, you get it. There there have been a bunch of protests going on, but here's what I want to show you. I want to show you the, the something really weird. Governor closes all roads leading into New Mexico, grappling with coronavirus outbreak. It's a small town. I don't know, what do they say? A thousand cases, uh, has reported a thousand positive cases for COVID, of COVID-19. More than 30% of the state's total positive COVID cases. The spread of this virus in McKinley County is frightful. And it shows that physical distancing is, has not occurred and is not occurring. The virus is running amok there. It must be stopped and stricter measures are necessary. All right. Are stricter measures necessary? Let's take a look at uh, some news. The Washington Post, April 13th. South Dakota's governor resisted ordering people to stay home. Now it has one of the nation's largest coronavirus hotspots. Oh, heavens me. Okay, let's operate under the presumption that the Washington Post is correct. And on April 13th, South Dakota had one of the nation's largest hotspots. Put a pin in that. We'll get to it. Here's another story from NBC News. This one from April 15th. South Dakota, South Dakota Governor Nome, who opposed stay home order, now faces coronavirus hotspot. The Republican under fire for not taking bolder action insists things are under control. Now, they say, uh, NBC News on April 15th, that South Dakota was facing a hotspot. Again, put a pin in that because we're going to come back to this. The point I'm, I'm making now by showing you these stories. Here's one from April 15th. South Dakota Republican governor still refuses order, uh, to order lockdown despite its Chinese-owned Smithfield meatpacking plant becoming the top coronavirus hotspot in America and cases trebling to more than 1,000 a week. The top coronavirus hotspot in America. You heard it here from the Daily Mail. Well, it's been a couple weeks. Do you think the media and the tribalists are going to regret saying all of those things? The answer is yes, because the total hospitalizations for South Dakota is, is relatively low, not the lowest in the country, but considering the media was going after the Republican governor and considering now that according to Johns Hopkins University uh, of Medicine, c- cumulative hospitalizations by state, South Dakota, 179 as of today. Hotspot, you say, but New Hampshire is worse. Utah is worse. Arkansas, Kansas, New Mexico, Oregon, Oklahoma, Rhode Island, Alabama, Minnesota, South Carolina, Tennessee, Arizona, Mississippi, Kentucky, Wisconsin, Colorado, Ohio, Virginia, Maryland. I could go on. Georgia, Florida, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and finally New York. You mean to tell me all of those states have more hospitalizations than South Dakota, but South Dakota on April 13th was the worst hotspot in the country, and she was refusing. So here, let's, let's, let's lay this out. The South Dakota governor refused to lock things down. The media attacked her or, or elements of the media attacked her, saying that she was putting people at risk, that they were the, the worst in the nation. The meat processing plant are shutting down. Those aren't the only stories, mind you. Many of them have been popping up saying that things were getting bad and South Dakota was the worst. So if South Dakota was the worst on April 13th or 15th, it has now been over two weeks and she still hasn't locked down and other states are worse off. What does that say about lockdown measures? Now, one could argue it says nothing at all. 
You certainly couldn't argue that not locking, you know, by having no lockdown, things would get worse because that didn't happen. You could also argue that it's, it's irrelevant whether you lock down or not. Dare I say it? I actually think it shows the lockdowns make things worse. You know why? When people are in close proximity to each other in close quarters, well, they have more opportunity to spread COVID. And especially considering they still have to go out to buy food. What ends up happening, at least I can say this is one uh, presumption. I don't know what the likelihood of it is. I'm saying I actually think this is more likely than anything else. You have a household full of people and they're minding their own business. Somebody's got to go to the store and pick up, you know, the bread and milk. And they do. And they catch COVID. Because the one place everyone is still going, the store, to buy bread and milk and eggs. And so they come home and everyone's trapped in the house where you are much more likely to catch the infection. In the outdoors, the virus struggles to survive. In the outdoors, you have more space and you're less likely to come into contact with objects where there may be contamination. But inside, you have much less, much less space, meaning somebody coughs, somebody talks, the moisture, the particles, they go on the wall few feet in front of you, and then you walk by later, brush it, maybe don't realize, and you catch this. Perhaps because there was no stay-at-home order, more people in South Dakota were going outside and thus less likely to catch the coronavirus. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. All I can tell you is this, definitively. The media screamed and was spitting and yowling, saying that this was the worst they had seen. And it was the, it was, what is this, the, the, the worst hotspot in America. And now two weeks on with no change, they are nowhere near the worst in the nation. Now that you could argue they've got more cases or something. I went by hospitalizations for a reason. You can argue South Dakota isn't testing enough. So I went by hospitalizations. How many people in South Dakota needed to go to the hospital because of COVID? 179. Many, many other states with lockdowns are doing much worse. I guess the only fair conclusion is we must lean towards the lockdowns are actually causing more harm than good in more ways than one. Unfortunately, you still get a bunch of really dumb people pushing really dumb ideas. But check this out. In South Dakota, we never close down, but doctors like me wish we would. Why? <laughs> you're like you're like number 27 or 8 in terms of COVID uh, hospitalizations. Nothing bad has happened for the most part in the past two weeks. I, I get it. The food plants have shut down. Donald Trump has issued a, a mandate to reopen these things. But isn't it a little strange? What is this, what is this op-ed from the Washington Post? When, when was this written? April 27th. You wish we would, the coronavirus is here and we may not be ready for it. Yet two weeks on, nothing. Look, I think the coronavirus is really, really bad. I think the lockdown orders made sense at the time. And I think now we're starting to realize this cure may actually have, well, it may have outstayed its welcome. It made sense for a short period. We flattened the curve. We're seeing it even in New York. Doesn't it now make sense to slowly start reopening things? I'd say so. But for some reason, you still see people saying no. Well, I'll tell you what. Now, what do we get? On April 28th, they held a parade for their Republican governor. You folks made my day. South Dakota governor thrown parade after rejecting coronavirus lockdown. They were proven right. What more do you want? Let me, let me, let me throw it to this beautiful viral meme that has been going around for a while to explain the problem with the ongoing shutdown. Now, first and foremost, we got to take this thing seriously. We are seeing many people lose their lives. Pay attention to it. But I think now, even in the media, the, the, the facade is starting to break. And I don't want, I don't, I'm not trying to pretend like this thing was, was, was a hoax or anything. Absolutely not. That's, that's, that's silly. 
What I am, what, what I do think we're seeing is that the projections seem to have been uh, very overestimated. The social lockdown, you can, you can easily just say worked like a charm. But at this point, it's not doing anything for us. At this point, it may make more sense now to slowly start reopening things. But before, uh, but instead of, you know, getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, what should we have done? Hindsight is twenty twenty, man. I think we saw a problem. We didn't understand. And we said better safe than sorry, especially looking at Italy when the army came in to carry out bodies. And we're still seeing mass graves dug in other countries and even in New York City. So I think locking down made sense for the time it did. Now, for many reasons, we need to slowly start reopening. Now, of course, I think it's still possible that in places like New York, if they ease up, you know, on the restrictions, you will see many, many more cases and it can be devastating. But the devastation to the economy is now reaching critical mass and people aren't sitting still. If the government loses the confidence of the people, it will get a lot worse. But I bring you now to the silly, naive socialist view. Why, friends, this is called late stage capitalism. It is a subreddit mocking capitalism, but it's become a caricature of what it's supposed to be. You absolutely can mock capitalism, talking about silly things where like we just make jobs for the sake of having jobs so that someone can get access to money. I mean, socialists have the same problem, but there are things you can mock in capitalism. Laissez-faire capitalism, I'm not a big fan. Socialism, not a big fan either. I think we need a little bit of both. But take a look at this post that's been going viral. This woman says, y'all really would rather reopen the country and kill millions instead of just like demanding a debt rent freeze and temporary UBI till we're in the clear. Y'all simping so hard for capitalism, you're protesting to let your nana, peepaw, and all your compromised friends die so you can return to your SE middle management corporate job like some beta cuck for the oligarchs. Lil dick energy, she says. This is what they really think. You know, this is a problem with an uneducated uh, country. This is why journalism is so important and why getting people access to good information is so important. Unfortunately, they don't. These people just, maybe, maybe it's just because people want to be in tribes. They don't really care about what is or isn't. I don't care about your tribe. I don't care about, you know, Trump saying liberate. I'm talking about what's practical. Here we can see that South Dakota didn't lock down and they're doing I. Okay, let me explain something to you. You can't just print money and then freeze everything and think people will be able to eat because the people who make the food you eat have to also get paid, also pay rent, also pay taxes. It's like they don't understand the concept of production. Yet this is the late stage capitalism subreddit where they're talking about Karl Marx and presumably are socialists. I don't want to accuse them all of being socialists because I think it's fair to mock late stage capitalism, whether you're a socialist or not. You can be for mixed economies and some regulation. Simping so hard for capitalism, protesting to let your nana, peepaw, and compromised friends die. Of course they're not, you morons. Ah, you know what? It's, it's, it's kids, man. It's, it's the scary thing is the people who never grow up. And, it, and it's kind of like, I wonder if they, it's, it's kind of, you know, when I was on the Joe Rogan podcast, I was talking, we were talking about aliens and stuff and about like the domestication of humans I brought up that wolves are fiercely, you know, they, they hunt in the pack. They're more independent. They know where their place is in the hierarchy, things like that. But then dogs are like perpetual baby wolves. We've bred them to be that way. And I wonder if there's like some similarity here where these people are just like, everything is provided to me always. I just sit here and, you know, wag my tail and someone puts the food bowl in front of me. Is that what you think? Like, 
the dog, you know, it, it, it really does remind me of this dynamic where it's like the dog has no idea where the food comes from. All the dog knows is that you walk in, you put the food down and the dog gets to eat. Whereas the wolf, the hunter knows you have to go and get the food or you don't eat. So I, I view this as kind of like pure privilege. Domestication is, 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 is an analogy. I'm not saying literally they're like domesticated people. I'm saying when you grow up in a big city, and everything is just there and you have no idea how the system works. You're naturally just like, <laughs> people are so dumb. Like the government will just give you money and then you'll have food. It's like, uh-huh. And, and, and where does the food come from? Oh, I don't know. Like the, the store? <laughs> and where does the, sh- the, the, the food in the store come from? What do you mean? Well, who brings the food to the store? It comes on a truck. Where does that come from? I don't know. A food plant. And where do they get the materials to make the food? These people have no idea how this stuff works, do they? The longer we're shut down, the more we risk starvation. But they don't read the news. The UN has warned us 130 million people are going to starve unless we reopen things. So yeah, I think the lockdown did what it needed to do. And now we have no choice but to get back to work. Instead, what's going on in California? I'm going to lock things down. What's happening in Michigan? The, the state legislator says we're not extending the lockdown. And Governor Whitmer goes, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, at a certain point, you have to say, no, you're insane. You're tyrannical. This is the reason we have the system we do. Because when an anti-science moron like Governor Whitmer ignores the warnings from the UN, ignores the data from the CDC and John Hopkins, and then says, we just must remain locked down because we're scared, that's anti-science. And now you've got some dictatorial moron locking things down, risking everyone's lives because she's (laughs) a tribalist dictator. I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. The best part about it is they don't realize it. Elon Musk tweeted, you know, freedom, liberate, all the stuff. And now what do we get on Reddit? They're all like, he's so anti-science. Why would he pay attention to the science? Like, dude, you're not even reading the updates from John Hopkins University. The CDC is ta- you're not even looking at the, the, at, the, at the studies that have come out showing the mortality rate is lower. We have the science. You're just ignoring it. I'm not surprised, though, the people who tend to think that there's infinite number of genders don't understand science and then think they're the ones on the side of science. They're not. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. at youtube.com slash TimCast. That is my main channel, and I will see you all then. The U.S. women's soccer team has long been fighting for equal pay. And as it turns out, they actually had it kind of better than the men. And because of that, a federal judge has dismissed the overwhelming majority of their equal pay lawsuit. As it turns out, I'm not going to bury the lead on you. They actually had favorable terms that they chose that they negotiated. And the judge basically said, you asked for these things in your contract. You can't now come back and say it's unfair that you got what you asked for. See, the women wanted guarantees, which means they get money no matter what happens, whereas the men play more on like a, the better they do, the more they get kind of system. But as it turns out, I mean, look, you, you, if you choose your own terms, you can't claim it's unfair. Well, the good news for these women is they're getting an un, well, they're getting an ally in the fight, one they probably don't want right now. And it's Joe Biden trying to seem like he's fighting for women, especially considering he was just accused again by another woman. Perhaps Joe doesn't realize that the case was dismissed, and I think it was dismissed for fairly obvious reasons. The funny thing about this is when, you know, ever since we started watching what was going on with the U.S. women's soccer team demanding equal pay, those of us who have been paying attention have been like, on its face, this suit makes no sense. 
because they, they, they actually get paid more on a percentage basis than men for a, ver- a variety of reasons, but they actually got favorable terms. Well, it was a waste of everyone's time. Everybody got to virtue signal. Some of the women's soccer team got to go on stage and be like, we're fighting for equal rights. Ooh, and then everyone cheered because the assumption is that women are losers who don't make money. Reality is there is no wage gap. Sorry. Uh, I mean, technically there's a wage gap, but it's usually due to individual negotiations. So on a one person to one person basis, if you take the same person, same skills, there's no wage gap. Well, let's read the story and see what's going on. NPR says the World Cup uh, champion U.S. women's soccer team is vowing to fight on after a judge dismissed key parts of their lawsuit seeking compensation equal to that of their male counterparts. Federal Judge R. Gary Klausner, rejected the claim that the women's team is paid less than the the U.S. men's team. He also dismissed a claim of unequal working conditions related to a number of turf and real grass pitches. While the judge did allow other claims in the lawsuit to move forward to trial, for the women who won the hearts of the nation with a romp to the World Cup title last year, the ruling is a major blow. Quote, we are shocked and disappointed with today's decision, but we will not give up our hard work for equal pay. Molly Levinson, spokesperson for the player, said in a statement. Team captain Megan Rapinoe tweeted, we will never stop fighting for equality. You're not fighting for equality. You have it better than the guys. You negotiated these terms. What are you complaining about? The U.S. women filed the suit in the U.S. District Court for this uh, for the Central District of California in March 2019, months after the U.S. men's soccer team failed to qualify for the World Cup in 2018. The lawsuit argued in part that the female players had been consistently paid less money than their male counterparts. This is true even though their performance has been superior to that of the male players, yet they're not the same company. That's like you working at Burger King and being like, McDonald's sells less than us, but their staff get paid more. And it's like, that's a different company, dude. You're just because you play soccer doesn't mean you're the same in, same company taking in the same money. Burger King and McDonald's both make burgers. They're not the same thing. Could you imagine if that's how things worked? I work at Starbucks and he works at Caribou. Why should I get paid more money? No one's thinking that they're different companies. The U.S. women went on, then went on to dominate the 2019 tournament, culminating with a 2-2-0 win over the, over the Netherlands that fueled support for their claim that they were undervalued. The crowd cheering the team's victory in France erupted into a chant of equal pay, equal pay. In dismissing the women's claim that they are paid less for the same work, Judge Klausner pointed to differences in the structure of the men's and women's contracts, contracts to which they agreed in collective bargaining. You had a union. You negotiated this. What are you really complaining about? The women's national team rejected an offer to be paid under the same pay to play structure as the men's for uh, uh, the world's national team was willing to forego higher bonuses for other benefits. It sounds like they didn't want to take the risk of losing. And then when they won, they were like, that's not fair. We won. We should have got more money. If you negotiated on the bonus structure, you would have. Now I'll read the rest of this, but I got to do something I don't normally do. I got to give a shout out to Virtual Shield. In the, in the description below, you will see a link to uh, Virtual Shield at hidewithtim.com. Virtual Shield is a virtual private network service, meaning they help keep your private data safe while you browse the web. And this is true because of the lockdown. A lot of people are at home and working from home. It is recommended that you have some kind of security. Now, here's the way I always put it. A VPN is like a regular old lock for your door window. You know, we don't expect people to break in, but we still lock our doors. The same is true for a virtual private network. No security is impenetrable, but it is smart to have some kind of, you know, some kind of protection for your, for your home browsing, especially if you're doing important work and banking and things like that. 
Go to hidewithtim.com. They've got a 50% off special. And I'll just give a, a you know big shout out. Again, hidewithtim.com. This is my first sponsor. Uh, one of the only sponsors I've ever maintained aside from one, other, one or two other things. So I'm extremely grateful that in these times when everyone's revenue is dropping, uh, I hope you understand why it's so important for me to have a sponsor like Virtual Shield. They're really helping me out. And I hope you realize it's important that you also take your, your, your security seriously. So again, hidewithtim.com. But let's get back to what the judge said. They, for, they were willing to forego higher bonuses for other benefits, such as greater base compensation and the guarantee of a higher number of contracted players. Accordingly, plaintiffs cannot now retroactively deem their CBA worse than the men's national team. CBA by reference to what they would have made had they been paid under the men's pay-to-play structure when they themselves rejected such a structure. Boom. They didn't want to risk it. The men did want to risk it. It's really funny how this works out, right? The men said, we want to get a bonus if we win. And then they lost. And the women said, we don't want the bonus. We want a guarantee. And then they won. Now they're angry about it. Yeah, that's called buyer's remorse, not a pay gap. The judge said the women's contract guarantees players will be paid regardless of whether they play. The men are paid if they are called into camp to play and then participate in a match. On this point, Klausner said the plaintiff's statements were insufficient to establish a genuine dispute. After Klausner's ruling Friday, Levinson promised that the women will appeal and press on. We have learned that there are tremendous obstacles to change, she said. We know that it takes bravery and courage and perseverance to stand up to them. For its part, U.S. soccer expressed hope for a less acrimonious future. We look forward to working with the women's national team to chart a positive path forward to grow the game. We are committed to continuing that work to ensure our women's national team remains the best in the world and sets the standard for women's soccer. A trial for the remaining portions of the lawsuit, which include allegations of differences in men's and women's travel and hotel accommodations, is set to begin in June. The other issue, again, just because you play soccer doesn't mean you're in the same company. Now, I get it. You can argue it's under a similar umbrella and there's the complexities to this. I don't completely understand. But it's also true that the men probably bring in more money. I mean, how many people, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but I've personal experience with, with women's sports, particularly with skateboarding. And I'll tell you this, they don't sell as much. If your company doesn't make that much money, how can they compensate you? What are they supposed to do? Take the money from the men's side and then subsidize what you're doing? It's really funny because I saw some graphic recently, like that's how taxes work that women pay substantially less in taxes. Think about the equal pay gap argument that men get paid more than women. If that's true, that means that women are paying less in taxes than men are. How is that fair? Perhaps men should pay less in taxes so they pay an equal amount to women. Or perhaps women should pay more in taxes. How about that? Women pay more in taxes so that, no, I, I get it. I'm being a bit facetious. The idea is if women and men are paid the exact same, they get, you know, they pay the, the exact same taxes. But the other issue brought up is that women consume more public benefits than men do, in which case men are contributing more to the system than women are. The system actually seems kind of balanced if you look at it that way. Well, anyway, Joe Biden coming to the defense as if they needed or wanted creepy creeping Joe to come up and join the fray. After judges ruling against women's soccer, Joe Biden demands soccer pay women team equally. All right. I demand McDonald's pay the same wage as the Burger King across the street. You see, you see how this doesn't quite make sense? Maybe you don't. 
Joe Biden tweeted his support for the women's team to keep moving forward in the wake of the ruling, saying to the U.S. women's national team, don't give up this fight. This is not over yet. What do you mean don't give up? They chose their pay structure. What do you mean don't give up? They're actually paid in a better, more favorable terms than men in a certain capacity. Could you imagine being on the men's team and they're like, all right, we're going to go play this game. Not you. Now you don't get paid. Congratulations. That's your contract. Could you imagine if the dudes were like, it's not fair. The women get paid for every game. Why don't we? I'm suing for equal pay. It doesn't make sense. You know what? Here's what we need. To all the men on the men's national team who didn't get called into play and thus didn't get paid, please, can you complain that it's not fair that all of the women got paid and you didn't? Thus proving the women are paid more. Think about it. Where are these dudes? They could easily come out and say, we didn't get paid anything and we're on the team. It's not fair. But the women are all getting guarantees. Yeah, it has nothing to do with equal pay. It has to do with whether or not you agree to the terms of the contract. All in all, it always seems like this will always end up with some kind of argument for communism. I know, I know it's a little bit out there, but no, think about it. The only way to really rectify equal pay between races and genders is for the government just to be like, everybody gets the same amount no matter what. Well, that's that's ridiculous. If the women's team doesn't bring in the money, how can you pay them the same as the men when they, if the men bring in the money? And it's not even the argument here. You could argue that they're not getting, they're getting paid better than the men. Here's how it usually works out. A small handful of top dudes make a ton of money. And then you have a bunch of women all making a base rate. And then you have a bunch of dudes making no money. So who's really winning out on this one? It all just comes down to what you want to risk in your contracts. So Joe Biden, please move on. There's no fight here. The fight is between them and their contract, not a lawsuit because they're not getting paid equally. He says to U.S. soccer, soccer, equal pay now or else when I'm president, you can go elsewhere for World Cup funding. All right. All right. I'm going to resist this one. Joe, no, I'm, Joe Biden, you will not. You're not going to be president. You know what? No, I, I don't want to say that because you never know. But I, I will always end by saying if Joe Biden wins, I will laugh a hearty laugh. Maybe he will be president. I really doubt it. But uh, thanks for your support on a non-issue, you, uh, 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 Joe Biden. I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up for you in a few minutes. Stick around, and I will see you all shortly. The foundation is cracking. Chris Hayes of MSNBC reported on the Tara Reid allegations against Joe Biden, and boy, did he get torn up for it. Hashtag fire Chris Hayes goes viral. And now Chris Hayes is responding to it, saying that the most disquieting thing was the group of people who were attacking Tara Reid's character. At the same time, we have this story, Rose McGowan being supported by Evan Rachel Wood of Westworld and tweeting out a story from Breitbart. Rose McGowan, famous feminist leader, who just came out saying the Democrats and the media are a cult, is now apparently reading Breitbart. So it's a very strange world we live in. And <laughs> we have we have more, I guess. We got Jimmy Dore. Jimmy's awesome, by the way, calling out Bernie Sanders, as well as Kyle Kalinske. Looks like progressives are standing up to the establishment, be it Bernie Sanders or otherwise. Rose McGowan's reading Breitbart, I guess. And Chris Hayes is calling out the resistance Biden people the left has been fractured for a long time, man. But this dominant base that's been very tribalist and ignored principle seems to have split. Now, I'm not going to pretend like Jimmy or Kyle or Rose represent the entirety of the left. They represent certain aspects in certain areas of it. But it seems like the left, I'm doing air quotes, as we describe it, has been this like disparate 
conglomeration of various similar ideologies. And now as we have many people standing up for their principle against an establishment that just wants to win, we're seeing some good people do, you know, say some interesting and strange things that we wouldn't normally expect. The first story from The Hill, MSNBC's Chris Hayes responds to trending fire Chris Hayes hashtag over coverage of Biden allegation. Chris Hayes did what he was supposed to do. Why is anybody cheering for this guy or trying to get him fired? He literally did his job. Good job, I guess. You did what you are supposed to do. Talk about very serious news issues pertaining to politics. Let's move on. Apparently, people don't want to. Chris Hayes says there's three groups of people. There are a group of people who said that they believe Joe Biden and not Tara Reid. A group of people that just said they didn't care. And he said, and the third category, which I got a lot of, that was the most disquieting to me. A whole lot of people pointing to various aspects of Reid's character or her writings or her politics as a kind of proof that she's not credible. She's making it up. Hayes said some viewers pointed to Reid's political positions, including the fact that she supported former uh, candidate uh, Bernie Sanders and previous positive comments she made about Biden. These are the things that have been used forever against women making these types of allegations, Hayes said. To me, the lesson of the Me Too movement is not that you believe every allegation. Of course not. No. The lesson is to take the allegations seriously, to swiftly investigate the facts surrounding them as best as one can, while leaving aside the worst age-old instincts to drag the woman who makes those claims through the mud, he added. I don't necessarily agree with the core ideology of abandoning due process, I don't think it's, it's weird to me when they're like, we must believe women. That just means we take their, their claims seriously. Well, yeah, you do that for everybody. And it doesn't matter what the, what crime you're asserting. Often you don't get taken seriously anyway. I mean, look, man, I've had issues where I've been physically attacked and the cops are like, we're not going to do anything about that. Sorry. Yes, it's against the law. Yes, we know it happened. No, we're not going to arrest them. They don't take it seriously or they just don't care. Or they're like, dude, just go home. Who cares? And yeah, you choose your battles. In this regard, I don't think we need a special standard for believing women. If you file a police report, we investigate it. The problem is that believe women literally meant believe them no matter what. What else could it mean? We believe they made the claim. Well, as soon as it came down to Joe Biden, they were like, no, it just means we believe them like we're gonna look into it. And that's right. And of course, Chris Hayes got torn up for it, but good on him for standing up for his principles, even if his principles are wrong. Look, I get it, man. We can argue about whether he's right or wrong to push a no due process position, which I'm sure he'll probably say he's not. But we know what they were doing before. The fact is, if you're going to call out Kavanaugh and then you're going to call out, you know, Biden, well, at least you're being consistent. You know, hypocrisy is the worst thing ever. You can have bad ideas. Just actually believe your bad ideas. Stop pretending. Interestingly, the, the bigger picture here that I think is interesting is, is to see how many leftists are sort of being fractured from what, where you, you normally wouldn't expect them to be. Rose McGowan said, the same feminists and women's groups that are not supporting Tara Reid are the same false feminists that did nothing to support me. Thank you, Evan Rachel Wood, Westworld star backs uh, Rose McGowan stand against the Democrats. Evan Rachel Wood, awesome. I haven't really been watching Westworld. I got to be honest. I'm not trying to say, trying to say this to be disrespectful. The first season was awesome. Second season, I just totally lost interest and then eventually stopped watching it. And I am absolutely not watching the third. But it's really cool to see more uh, celebrities, more stars coming out and calling out the broken machine that is the Democratic establishment. Westworld star Evan Rachel Wood backs Rose McGowan. They say, uh, even, um, no, it says Evan Rachel Wood tweeted her support of Rose McGowan writing 
I have to say this. Uh, this I have to say this is spot on. In response to McGowan's recent statement describing her disillusionment with the left-wing establishment calling them a cult. That's, that's it? That's actually just amazing, though. Rose McGowan came out and said the Democrats were supposed to be the good guys. The New York Times, the Washington Post were supposed to be their papers, the good guys. But instead, they were just propping up Joe Biden and the establishment. Well, Evan Rachel Wood hasn't made a strong statement, she's basically just mirroring what Rose McGowan said. That's pretty awesome. It's cool to see a lot of people come out and recognize the Democrats have become a fringe, ridiculous, lying, broken machine. Like I have. Most of you have. <laughs> Look, there are a lot of people that are still in the matrix, whatever you want to call it, blue-pilled or whatever. They don't realize just what's going on with the Democrats. And that doesn't mean there's good things happening with the Republicans. But I'll tell you what, man, look at the data, look at the charts. The Republicans are doing their thing. That's the way I've always seen it. And I've always been a more urban dwelling liberal type. And over the past several years, I've been staring at the Democrats like, what are you doing? You've lost your minds. Now, here's the thing, man. I'm a journalist. I track this stuff. I worked for these companies. So I saw it right on the front lines. These people are just celebrities. They're in the back. And they're finally now getting hit with the wave of hypocrisy and calling it out. I don't, I don't know why Rose McGowan was reading Breitbart, but hey, you can see that this is, this is how the shift happens, right? They call it red pilling or whatever. I don't think Rose McGowan's going to come out overnight and wear a, a, a Trump hat and start waving a Trump flag or anything. But you look for media that represents what you know to be true. The Democrats and the media betrayed you and what you believed in, saying we got to call out these predators. You then go online and what do you find? You find left-wing media outlets slamming and smearing you and insulting you and attacking you. But then you see a fair article from Breitbart and you're like, wait, wait a minute. This story is correct. And those stories are false. The other stories, you know, they're lying about you. I've seen it over and over again. NBC, Deadline, they've all lied about me. Vice has lied about me twice in two different directions. It made no sense. So then when you go to a site like Breitbart and you see that they've actually written something correct about you, you start reading other things they write. You start realizing maybe, maybe the media you thought was the truth wasn't the truth. Now, of course, conservative media can be wrong as well, can be hyperbolic and sensationalist. But I'll tell you what, man, I've been doing a ton of fact checking and research. And I'll tell you this, mainstream media tends to be wrong a whole lot. Conservative media tends to be right substantially more often. But don't let them confuse you with these small fringe blogs that are wrong nearly all the time. There is an overlap between some anti-establishment ideologies, which includes conservatives and conspiracy theorists. And just because some conservatives um, may overlap, or I'm sorry, some conspiracy people may be conservative, doesn't mean that the establishment conservative sites have no credibility. In fact, they have typically good credibility and tend to be correct. When you look at what's going on with these VC-funded leftist outlets, they're just after money, man. These conservative outlets, I believe, are, are, are backed by running a business and some ideology. What we see with these leftist venture capitalist sites and democratic establishment sites is that it's almost exclusively ideology. They're venture funded. They don't need to be accountable to their audience when they just crank out articles that pander to people who already believe and want, and, you know, want confirmation bias, or when they just lie to promote that confirmation bias. They say, McGowan wrote in a tweet Thursday that she's experienced a political wake-up call in light of Reid's accusations against Biden. And then she went on to say, you know, we, we, like, I, we, I went through the story already. I'm not going to rehash everything. That basically Democrats in the media are a cult. There's no real good guys. They th- she thought they was on the right side. I think it's funny because Elon Musk tweeted something about opening up the economy and someone tweeted at him, 
Don't know, Elon, don't go to the dark side. We need you. Oh, the dark side, is it? Saving lives, following the science. That's how blind these people are. Now, I'm not going to get in the full, the full gist of like the Jimmy Dore, Kyle Kalinske thing. I just brought them up to point out that even when it comes to people who are supporting Bernie Sanders, they'll, they're quick to call him out as joining the establishment, same as anybody. Now, it, look, I, I, I think Jimmy and Kyle are both good people. So I'm sure there are a bunch of faux progressives that are not being principled. People like Alyssa Milano that pretend to be all about it, but then backtrack for the establishment at a moment's notice. And people like the Young Turks as well of which I, I believe Kyle has done, you know, he did the Justice Democrats with Cenk Huger. But Jimmy's legit. He calls him out all day and night. You guys check them out. I get a lot of flack because I'm always shouting out the lefty channels, Jimmy and like Kyle. So I'll mention Stick, Sex and Hammer, Crowder. Uh, that'll, be, that'll be my balancing for you. Uh, anyway, look, I don't, I don't know ultimately what this means. I thought it was interesting that Chris Hayes responded to this and called out these hypocrites and that Evan Rachel Wood and Rose McGowan, maybe this is a good sign. The culture war is being won by the right. And I don't mean conservatives or right wingers. It's just what we call the colloquial right. The, the, they're calling it a conservative movement, but it includes liberals and, and you know, uh, uh, independents and people like me and, and the intellectual dark web. Certainly not everybody in that is conservative, but we do oppose this weird fake hypocrisy. I'm glad to see people coming out, even Chris Hayes, and calling out the disquieting nature of these people who just want to attack the character of this woman but I'll leave it there. I don't know what it means. Whatever. Maybe it means nothing. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. The left likes to say that snitches get stitches. And when it comes to the police, they say, don't cross the thin blue line. Basically, these are words that mean you should not call out your own side when they do something wrong. The activists warn you that if you rat on them, they'll injure you with lacerations, I guess. Now, the police thing is usually like you're not supposed to do it. It's taboo and people get mad at you. But uh, over here in the milquetoast moderate aisle, we don't really have anything where we threaten someone for doing something. But I will say in the kind of the journalistic sense of things, if you snitch, stand by your snitching and don't cry about it. In this story from five on your side, KSDK, personal information from 900 plus St. Louisian tipsters exposed on social media. This was not a hack. It was not a breach. My understanding is that this is sunshine laws, meaning the public documents submitted where you were trying to rat on your neighbors are publicly available to everyone. So when you rat it on your neighbors, they are now able to see that it was you who rat it on them and they get to be mad at you. Maybe instead of being upset, that your information got leaked, you just stop snitching on people who are engaging in constitutionally protected behaviors, and you get off your high horse and stop being all high and mighty. Well, I got a funny thing for you. We'll read this. But the first thing I want to point out, yeah, unsurprisingly, it tends to be Democrats. Just the News says, Dems more likely than Republicans to report neighbors during pandemic. They mention, this is a huge partisan different difference, Bryce Beeson said by a 44% to 31% margin, a plurality of Democrats would turn in their neighbors. By a 60% to 25% margin, Republicans would not. Independents are evenly divided. Other data I've released shows that a plurality of Republicans now believe the worst of the pandemic is behind us. Democrats strongly disagree. Well, apparently then, Democrats, in their fear and panic, have begun snitching on their neighbors. And perhaps they didn't realize that public documents belong to the public and everyone gets to find out. 
Documents with the names of people who reported stay-at-home violations are being shared online. One tipster said she won't count on the county's help again. This is actually from April 24th. A spree of social media posts this week warn that St. Louis County released the information it got from people who reported businesses in violation of the stay-at-home order. The document, released in response to a Sunshine Law request, included names and contact information of the people making the reports. In their messages, some asked for anonymity. Aw, poor babies. You wanted to snitch, but you didn't want anyone to find out, huh? Posts and comments in response to the document invited retaliation against the people who utilized the county's, the county's inbox for tips about non-essential businesses that stayed open. The I-Team's PJ Rondhawa talked with a, wo- with a woman whose tip was among those released. Patricia asked that we not use her last name because she fears what someone might do with the information in that document. We're in a society where doing what's right doesn't always get rewarded, she said. Patricia has lupus. Two other people in her house have, an, have autoimmune issues. We have to be extra careful because we won't have the strength to fight this, she said. I saw a lot of businesses that were non-essential that were open and had lines outside. Parking lots filled as if the order didn't matter to them. And that was kind of frustrating. And so you got mad and said, <clears throat> Karen, that you would like to shut down their businesses. You know what we should do? We got to start calling these women Karen more often because apparently it really, really triggers them. So uh, Karen asked, and look, you know what? If she doesn't want anyone to know her real name, I'm just going to call her Karen then. How about that? Tips flood in after county asks for help. What Patricia, Patricia did is exactly what St. Louis County intended when it established two ways for people to submit tips on non-compliant businesses. County government announced the creation of an online form and dedicated email addresses address for those tips in the last week of March. In a little over a week, those channels received more than 900 tips from the public. The release documents show, uh, the, the, the release documents show, among the complaints are employees and their family members asking for anonymity because they feared backlash from employers. Now that kind of sucks. If, you're, if your job is threatening you and trying to make you come in when you're not supposed to, yeah, that I can understand. Look, ultimately, that's not the same as someone snitching on their neighbor. That's you filing a workplace grievance. And if your information gets released, that's unfortunate because they might retaliate now. The online form some of them used warned the tips they submitted could become public records. So now you got no excuse, right? Everybody knew it was going to happen. A disclaimer that form submitters had to acknowledge before sending says, I have been advised that this form and any other communication may be considered an open record pursuant to the Sunshine Law, Chapter 610 RSMO, St. Louis County, uh, RSMO, St. Louis County may be required to release this form as well as other communications as a matter of law upon request by any member of the public, including the media. Patricia, aka Karen, said she never expected it to end up on Facebook posted by someone whose motive seemed to be revenge. Why are you snitching on your neighbors? Of course, they're going to get mad at you. The Facebook post headlined said, here you go. The gallery of snitches, busybodies, and employees who rat out their own neighbors and employers over this panic demic. A person whose Facebook profile is named Jared Tosh told the I-Team that he posted the documents knowing that there might be consequences for the people named within. Quote, if they are worried about retaliation, they should have read the fine print which stated their tips would be open to public record subject to a sunshine request and should not have submitted tips in that manner to begin with. I released the info in an attempt to discourage such behavior in the future. 
Tosh declined a phone or video interview. When asked how he felt about the possibility that someone who reported a business might lose their job, Tosh wrote, I'd call it poetic justice, instant karma, a dose of their own medicine. What goes around comes around. They are now experiencing the same pain that they themselves helped to inflict on those they filed complaints against. Woo! Dude's getting spicy talking about karma. That's exactly the attitude that has Patricia concerned now. Aw, is Karen worried? I'm only worried about COVID. Or she said, I'm not only worried about COVID. I'm worried about someone showing up at my door, showing up at my workplace or getting or, or me getting fired for doing what is right. If it was right, would people really want to retaliate against you for doing it? Perhaps so. Perhaps so. Yes. But it's not right. And that's why this person, unrelated, released the information, because most people think you shouldn't be a a, a snitch on your neighbors. Now, listen, I don't agree with the idea of snitches getting stitches. I think people should hold other people accountable in their own communities for doing things that are wrong. But you need to know where the line is. If somebody went out the brick and smashed someone over the head, yeah, you call the police about that. If someone implements an unconstitutional order and someone else is minding their own business, you might as well mind your own business and stop snitching on your neighbors to the government. How it got to your newsfeed, St. Louis County told the I-Team that it released the information to a broadcast journalist in response to a Sunshine Law request. Jared Tosh wrote in the original Facebook post that he had filed a Sunshine Law request for the documents, but later stated that he reposted them from a different group that published them first. It was the media, man. It was journalism. Congratulations. The Missouri Sunshine Law gives the public and media the right to request records made or received by any public agency, with some exceptions. Among those exceptions is a clause allowing tips to to municipal hotlines about abuse and wrongdoing to be withheld. But the county's review of uh, of the request found no reason to withhold information about who sent the tips. The St. Louis County Executive Director of Communications, Doug Moore, wrote, in this particular instance, our county's counselor office consulted with the attorney general's office on releasing the list of those who had filed complaints against county businesses. We were told all the information was public and we should not redact except for HIPAA information. Withholding information goes against what journalists push us to be as transparent as possible. Moore also mentioned that the county is working to be more transparent following the consent order between the county, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I think we get the point on this one. I'm going to wrap it up just taking a look at the partisan nature of the issue. I'm curious if the people who were getting their information released were actually Democrats or probably just random old people, uninitiated, someone dumb enough and amoral enough to go ratting on someone minding their own business. They mentioned during, uh, during its White House Coronavirus Task Force, task, task force Briefings, Officials have encouraged Americans to limit social gatherings to to under 10 people with the CDC stating its coronavirus guidelines at a substantial level at a substantial level of community transmission is recommended to cancel mass gatherings of any size. Suburban and urban voters are evenly divided on the just the news daily poll question. However, by a 53 percent to 28 percent margin, rural voters would not report their neighbors. This is consistent with a tremendous amount of data I'm seeing highlighting the difference differences between suburban, urban, and rural voters, Rasmussen said. There was also a gender gap. Women are evenly divided. However, by a 51 to 32% margin, men would not report their neighbors to the police. So it seems like women are more likely than men to snitch on you. Women are also more likely than men to be Democrats. And people who are Democrats are more likely to snitch on you. So there seems to be like a, a, um, 
you know, some kind of overlap here in whatever these factions are. Now, I got to say, man, based on the data and all this stuff, it sounds like the Republican Party's going to be all dudes and the Democratic Party's going to be all women at some point. I know I'm kind of kidding. But let me tell you something. There's a big difference between calling out legitimate crimes that hurt people. There's something else when you have panic, speculation, and people minding their own business. Nonviolent offenses versus violent offenses. Now, some on the left have argued, but if you're going out with COVID, you're going to risk other people's lives. Then you just don't go out. It's complicated. I got to tell you what, there's, there's, no really easy, there's no real easy way to, uh, to decide where that moral line is. So I'll just put it this way. No matter what it is you're reporting, be prepared to stand behind what it is you're doing. Don't hide. Okay. If you want to snitch on somebody because they're violent, I got no problem. If I see someone do something and I snitch on them and say, that was me. I called you out. Don't do it again. Now, if you got a problem with it, there must be something wrong with what you're doing. And if you're scared, well, guess what? These things come with the territory. I'll leave it there. I will see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out.